The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where as always we delve into all sorts of things technical, things technological, and all the business that makes tech work around the country and the world for that matter. And a really interesting time at the moment. Obviously, the focus has been very much over the last couple of years on safety, security, and currently the topic of conversation amongst everybody I speak to is the COVID-19 vaccination certificate download and the lack of how this works and, and what's going on. Unfortunately, unlike most of the world where apps have been pretty much central to the whole management of COVID-19, although South Africa was pretty good with the COVID-19 information, um, or rather alert app that came out right in the beginning and most people have actually clean forgotten about and hardly anyone I know works. I checked the other day. Mine is still active on my phone, but I haven't had a peep or a beep or anything from it for ages, which is actually a good thing. However, right now with the world opening up, with the world coming to the realization that we're going to live with COVID, COVID's not going to go away. We're not going to have a situation where we won't have to think about it. And Good news, Monday, uh, England allows us to fully vaccinated South Africans to travel without any real hassle other than a day two COVID test, which is expensive because you can't book them in advance. Well, you can, but December, January. So here's a heads up. If you go to England and you want to book your day two COVID test, book now because the cheap ones, £1.98 to £3.50, go fast. The rest costs between 70 and 120 pounds. So just a little heads up there. I had to look for myself as a, as a matter of interest. But what has happened and what the government have done is they've brought out a vaccine certificate, which the British and other territories have said they will accept. But, but don't mistake the QR code on there as an active QR code like you'll find in Europe or America. Well, America doesn't really have, they have certificates as well, but the European certificate is operative across the whole of the UK and Europe. Simply scan it and it validates it. The South African one is somewhat different for the moment. What it does, you can go to their website um, and download it. I'm not going to give you the website address. It's very, very easy to Google it. But you can you can go to the website, enter a whole lot of detail. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, your ID number, your, your EVDS number, which is a little variable because it doesn't always agree to other EVDS numbers that you may have received when you got your vaccine. One problem. And you can download a QR code in a PDF format, which you can use um, across all the the various places and use it to board planes, use it to go anywhere. And most of Europe will allow it for some part. Um, and I'm not entirely sure the systems are not entirely clear, but if you are traveling, you will need it. And it is a convenient and easy way to get some form of, of digital proof that you have it. The challenges that most people are having is that the site is experiencing massive downtime, keeps returning things that no data found or um, unable to connect to the system. All sorts of things that um, are a real pain in the neck, especially if you're desperate to try. My advice is try at odd times, early in the morning, very late at night. 
sometime in the middle of the day, work day, not lunch times, things like that when people are probably trying quite hard. And the other thing is you need to find your one, your, your SMS that you received after your vaccine. So wherever you were, were, wherever you went to, theoretically through the EVDS system, you should have received a confirmation of your vaccine. Um, and the number there would be your EVS data system number. However, that's not always the case. What has been happening across uh, most people that I've spoken to, and it's happening more and more, is people are receiving a confirmation email from the EVDS system saying that you um, this is your new registration number and this is how you connect and get your, your QR code. So if you try, like I did right in the beginning, using the EVDS number that was on the discovery system, it did not work. It told me nothing found or, alternatively, having trouble to connect. You can wait until you get that SMS from the EVDS system, or you can call EVDS. There is a, a call toll-free number where you can call them, and you will be able to um, get your your QR, your QR your new number to allow you to get the QR code. So keep trying. It is useful. It will help you wherever you go. In most of Europe, if you have a, a vaccine certificate, travel has now become somewhat less of a hassle, certainly in the UK, much less of a hassle. And I hope that this will continue to roll out over the next couple of months, especially with the December holiday period coming out, and allow people to travel in a fairly clear manner wherever you are. And if you haven't been vaccinated and you do wish to travel, well, I don't think there's a better better reason to rush off and go and get your, your vaccine as we speak. And moving on from the vaccine passport, just interesting news, and, and it's part of our discussion a little bit later during Tech Talk Cafe, but a huge new 15 billion rand data center is being built in Johannesburg. Now, more and more of the platforms, systems, and everything that we use are going online. Everybody is utilizing their smartphone. It is almost the computer of choice for the vast majority of people. And there was an old stat, I've not found a new one, that for every 600 phones, they needed another server to manage the data and manage the applications that run and are utilized by those phones. So you work it out in the country, there's probably in the region right now of 35 to 40 million devices connected to the internet via a mobile device, if not more, probably a little bit more if you look at all the machine-to-machine and other assorted things like uh, traffic lights and you name it, and cars that are connected to to the internet via mobile devi- the mobile platforms. So there are tens, close to 100 million devices probably communicating through the mobile networks at any point in time, and somewhere, somehow, those things need to be dealt with. And for the large, for the most part... The networks control everything in the back end, but in the, you know, regarding the communication and the, the mobile connectivity. But what they don't control is they don't control the apps and everything that runs on it. So data centers are critical. And this new data center from Vantage is a company, it's an American company. It's going to be carrier neutral. In other words, anyone can use it. It'll be 12 hectares or 60,000 square meters of data center. And it is being built near Waterfall City, in the Waterfall Logistics Hub, which is just sort of northish of Johannesburg. And many companies, huge companies, BMW, PwC, Cotton-On, Cummings, they're the big, um, you know, manufacturing companies, 
are using more and more data centers. So it's becoming more and more important to have all sorts of data centers that are pretty much anywhere. And the growth in South Africa has been insane. I think we've got the best fiber infrastructure in Africa. We certainly have the best interconnectivity power. Hopefully won't be a problem going forward. But anyway, it's good news. It's it's great to have these things. It brings the Internet closer. It makes our apps a little snappier. And we'll be able to do a lot more. And companies will be able to work in a much more efficient manner using these massive data centers around the country than they have in the past working through Ireland or other places. And on that note, we'll take a break. And we'll be back straight after that talking Tech Talk Cafe with, just, uh, with Jason O'Reilly from um, – Advanced Intellect, and we're talking about cybersecurity and what you can do, what is happening. Things are really scary out there. So let's stay tuned, listen in, and we'll try to give you some hints and tips on how things can be better or how you can protect yourself online. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as usual with Tech Talk Cafe, we try to get interesting people on the line to discuss topics that are relevant to all our lives. And nothing, as we were discussing regarding the data centers that are coming into the world, we have Jason O'Reilly on the line, and he is the head of um, cybersecurity at Advanced Intellect. And uh, welcome, Jason. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Good and you. Now, yeah, we can. we've been having... You read the news, you follow anything to do with tech. There has been a huge spike in all sorts of cyber crime, cyber break-ins, you name it. Whatever you want to go, wherever you want to be, there's, there's a huge rise in cyber crime currently in South Africa with the courts being hacked, um, major companies having data breaches. Can you give us a quick overview of why this is happening and what is actually going on out there? So, Stephen, actually, it's, it's, it's been quite interesting. So, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing quite a bit of research into what we're seeing and also um, learning from our colleagues in the field as well. And one of the things that we've seen um, pretty much in what we term as the dark web, so that's where all our adversaries uh, sell IP and make their money, right, is there's been a significant change uh, in that space. And what it has brought about is a bunch of cyber criminals um, who, in fact, have uh, built their own economy um, as well as the ability to commercialize cybercrime. And that's why we're seeing, uh, I think, the splurge of ransomware and organizations being taken advantage of. So, in fact, it's now become a big business, a properly organized, thoroughly sophisticated big business. Absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll be surprised. I mean, they've even, uh, they've even tagged different divisions who are specialists in certain areas. So, for example, they have... <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's that's crazy. <laughs> they have specialist divisions for specialist cybercrime. Correct, correct. So, the, initially, I mean, obviously, as we look at the likes of cybercrime, there is a methodology to how they breach organizations. So, they will have a, a, a division or what they call an affiliate that will effectively focus on um, effectively getting into the organization. They will then pass that on to what they term as an exfiltration organization who effectively will specialize on uh, getting the data from the customer. And then they will hand it over to um, somebody who can ultimately exploit 
um, and expose the customer and then go into negotiations. So, I mean, it's uh, it's become it's become an underground business, and this hasn't been helped by the likes of Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum and a couple of other uh, uh, cryptocurrencies as well. Well, that's a discussion for a completely different day. But quite honestly, we are sitting where these break these impacts rather. Let's put it this way: just taking down the court system has an enormous impact on society. Taking down some businesses' back-end systems can also cause enormous damage across pretty much anything to do with the economy. can hurt businesses, can hurt people. So we now sit with this position where people are, are really sophisticated. They really are turning this into a, a well-structured, organized setup. What can we, as small and big businesses, do to minimize not only minimize the impact, but potentially stop this happening to our own businesses. Look, I think there's one thing that we do need to acknowledge is that the way that organizations are being breached is not through complex and sophisticated mechanisms. Um, in fact, the way that organizations are being breached is through uh, simple IT and hygiene not being adhered to. So, for example, external uh, infrastructure not being patched, um, default passwords being left as is. Um, and that's the way that we're seeing most of our organizations being breached. And, and also with the adoption of cloud, you know, everybody assumes cloud is safe. Um, but you know, as we had a conversation this morning with a customer is it's, you know, it's, it's just a data center and I mean, it's somebody else's, uh, data center that's still physical to, um, and still needs to be administered. So we're seeing that it's the basics that need to be done and need to be managed. Uh, in order to make sure that people don't get breached. And that's very interesting because the basics, we all, doesn't matter how big you are, from one single one-man show to a, a thousand, ten thousand corporation, the basics are the ones that you need to take care of before you worry about all the fancy stuff. Correct, correct. And and I mean, that, that, that for us has been the interesting component. You know, one of the things that we know about these groups and, you know, these organizations that have been formed is for them it's also about return of investment. So it, it doesn't really help that they go and spend hours and hours on, you know, writing new malware and trying to figure out new mechanisms. And, you know, for them it's about return of investment. So the quicker they can do it, the easier it is. And I think so the other thing some, that we – yeah. So give us Sorry. some what-ifs. What should you be doing? What are some of the absolute minimum basics that everybody should pay very close attention to to at least stop that sort of opportunistic cybercrime? Absolutely. So one of the things that, you know, we focus on with our customers is their digital footprint. Um, the one thing that we know um, about these hacking communities is they do not, in many cases, unless, of course, it is a nation state attack, um, they do not actually intend to breach organizations. What they do is they send out automated attacks to the Internet. And those that return uh, some form of vulnerability or communication based on their digital footprint being vulnerable, that's generally how they get in. So, you know, first step for us as always is make sure that your home address uh, is well protected and that everything facing the digital economy and Internet um, is, is very, very well protected and, uh, and, and secured and, uh, and patched. That's a, that's, a, that's a foundation. Now, just to clarify that, when you say your, your address, you're talking about your email addresses, your domain, your www address, those sort of addresses as one. And what, and you talk about patching and all the rest. What specifically yes. must guys look out for in that regard? 
So, so it's quite a difficult one, and, and I'll tell you why. Is because when it comes to patching, um, there isn't there isn't a specific that these guys use. So, for example, is what they will find out, and, and we know that Microsoft communicates quite regularly on what patches cause certain vulnerabilities. You will find that they belong to the same forums. So, in that environment, they will determine what is the most critical and how they can get the best bang for their buck. And based on that, they will attack an organization. So one of the things that we always say is, you know, listen out to the relevant applications that you subscribe to, whether it's Microsoft or, you know, any of the the major operating systems. Um, If they tell you that there is a critical vulnerability in the application, make sure that you fix it. Because the reality is if, if those major providers have earmarked critical vulnerabilities, trust me, everybody in the world knows that they're critical vulnerabilities. That's actually... That's an excellent point. So in other words, when people, when Microsoft, Apple, doesn't matter who you are, issues a patch or an update or a security update to your operating system, when they issue it, obviously everyone, including the end user and the cyber criminals, know about it. So if you don't update your system, you don't install all the patches as and when they come out, you're actually leaving yourself completely open to a known patch that actually has been fixed. Correct, correct. And I think, you know, just for your listeners as well, Stephen, anything that is exposed to the Internet um, is something that needs to be focused on. Um, because remember, you know, these guys don't know who they're targeting until somebody sends back a little response going, hey, we know you're there and, and we know that you've got a vulnerability. So agreed. You know what? They belong to all the forums we belong to. Um, they're a lot more agile. They don't play by the same rules. And, and remember, they've got no compliance metrics that they're trying to measure and manage. So it's a lot easier for them. <laughs> That's actually an excellent point. <laughs> we have all these <laughs> compliance things that companies need to adhere to, all these rules and regulations. And these cowboys are out there just doing what they want. There's no rules. So obviously, patching, updating is, is, is critical. What is the Correct. next level of protection there? You know, if you've got the basic hygiene factors, you've always got the latest operating system, you've Correct. got all the patches installed. What is the next level that can assist? Access. So two-factor authentication uh, or any type of access management solution that you've got in place is extremely important. Because remember… Passwords uh, are not good enough anymore. Passwords are definitely not. Um, One of the things that we do know about uh, dark web forums is that credentials are easily leaked. One of the things that we know about our, our users is they like to use work email addresses and the same password in their social media accounts and their application use accounts. What what is so important is that we understand that that is typically how you know a credential can be breached. Also, not every user is created equal, right? So there are some users that have a lot more privileges than others. And that is the main aim of the adversary is to find somebody who's got uh, elevated privileges to get into domains and admin accounts um, so, you know, again, if you can limit that as best as possible um, through that access control mechanism um, and managing that process, um, you've made their jobs 60 to 70 percent more difficult. That's a really, really good point. So two factor authentication. Just give us a little bit of explanation of that. How does uh, the the average guy or the average company install some form of two two factor authentication to help with their passwords, apart from not using the same password for everything? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are some solutions that are quite freely available. So Microsoft Authenticator, Google Authenticator, um, it's a software mechanism uh, which changes um, its little passcode uh, regularly, and it's all built on, 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 on different components and algorithms. And very simply is, is most applications today, regardless of whether they're private or personal, you can enable two-factor authentication. Um, you just need to tell it which one you're using. And then what happens is is every time you try to log in, it's like logging into uh, your mobile device with your thumbprint or biometrics, right? The two-factor is very simply the same. You just have a code that you need to type in um, specifically around business application or personal application. So, again, it's it's very simple. It's very user-friendly. But what it introduces is that additional mechanism which effectively says you are who you say you are. Um, because in many cases, um, when accounts are breached, usernames, passwords, um, at that point in time, the application relies on the fact that you are who you say you are, and then they give you those elevated privileges. That makes perfect, perfect sense, in fact. So once you've got that level of, of sort of authentication in place, are there any other mechanisms that the average or even larger companies can use to at least be aware if people are targeting them or understanding some some breaches happening. I mean, that's two different things altogether. One is being aware of people attempting an attack, and another is understanding that there actually has been a breach. But let's talk uh, – we're running out of time as usual. <laughs> but um, let's talk about really having some sort of platform or system that will warn you that people are actually yes. actively attacking your, your your users or your business at some level. Absolutely. So there, there are a couple of mechanisms. So what I, what I would suggest is, is, you know, there, there are probably two more things that customers need to be doing. So, um, an advanced anti-malware solution that needs to be installed because these guys are really, um, you know, when it comes to anti-malware and, and that kind of space, they're really investing some good space. And then, of course, most importantly, backup. From a determining whether or not you've been breached or not, um, there are some great free services out there. Um, in fact, that's one of the services that advanced intellect, in fact, promote. Um, to give customers a very clear view of whether or not uh, their staff or their people have been breached. But there is also a, a very nice free application out there called Have I Been Pwned, P-W-N-E-D uh, dot com. And what that does is that gives organizations and simple users like you and me a very clear view as to whether or not any other applications we use has in fact been breached, which in turn obviously adds some value to whether or not um, there is a compromise of any sorts. That's actually very useful. I've used Have I Been Pawned over the years, and sometimes <laughs> I've ignored the advice it's given me. But it's at my own peril, I'm sure. But I think that's a great <laughs> way to see if that well, – what it does, it checks on the dark web, am I correct, to see if your breaches are some or your email is floating about them. So funny enough, um, not not really on the dark web. There are a lot of free tools that can tell you even on the normal web whether or not your information has been breached or not. Um, when they go to the dark web and these services are used around threat intelligence, what they're doing there is they're looking at breached credentials and username and passwords for sales. So, yeah, some of those solutions help in that space too. Okay, well, that's brilliant. Uh, I'm afraid you said you had to go, so we're going to have to cut this a little bit short. I'm going to talk a bit more about security and these various breaches and sort of denial of service and and all the sort of stuff that's going on straight after that. But thanks so much, Jason. Where can people, you know, what website can they go to to find out more about what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit us on www.advance.tech. Um, and, again, all of our details are there for, uh, for anybody to, to contact us on.
Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining me and good luck. I hear I'm holding up a meeting. So thanks for the time and we'll chat soon. Thank you, Stephen. Keep up. Bye-bye. Thanks. So, sorry, I know we, we're ending a little short, but I'd rather have Jason <laughs> on the line than not. So, in summary, um, what all of us need to do is be very aware of the fact that I've just put my email address into Have I Been Pawned? And guess what? I have been pawned. So, there are 13 data breaches um, on my own email address, which I need to look at. I think I've probably fixed quite a few. Adobe, Apollo, Discus. Kickstarter, LinkedIn, oh boy, Sturkinicore, Zomato, all of these have been breached. All these websites or, or these platforms have been breached with you, with my data being shared on the, on the web, um, for all sorts of reasons. So critical that you use a platform like that just to check if you have been breached. And then first and foremost, change all your passwords. Second of all, you know, try create some sort of two factor authentication. I use the Microsoft two-factor um, app. It works well across iOS, Android. You can download it. It's called Authenticator, and that helps enormously, and it certainly does make life a lot easier. A lot of apps, for example, Adobe, are now using the mobile app on your phone as a, a second-factor authentication, so that really does help. If you've got a company and you are obviously much more vulnerable, you've got a lot of remote users, you've got a lot of sort of spread on the Internet, you've got much more surface out there for, for potential people to look at, I think you might have to look at much more sophisticated platforms in order to make sure that you have protection firstly. And second of all, should you ever be breached, you're informed very quickly because Papier now, which is something we've spoken about, definitely makes it very problematic if you are breached and you don't notify everyone and you don't take certain steps. So protection of, of data, protection of privacy, and the whole cybercrime environment are incredibly interlinked, and we definitely don't want to fall foul of that because if you somehow um, leak all your users and your, 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 the people on your platform's data into the web and there are consequential damages, the chances are that you're going to land up with some sort of problem going forward. But cybercrime is something that is being dealt with across multiple platforms around the world. The banks are doing enormous work in that space to make sure that your stuff is safe. So it is a, a scary place to be out on the Internet. I just think staying aware, being aware of the changes that are coming, staying a little bit closer, and most importantly, keep your, your passwords protected. Try use def different passwords for everything. Don't write them down on sticky notes and stick them on your screen. I mean, that's pretty crazy, but plenty of people do that. And absolutely Keep your systems and platforms fully up to date. It's free. It costs you nothing. You're already paying for these services and update regularly. A lot of people just simply do not update. Anyway, we'll be back with my favorite gadgets of the week in a few minutes. Uh, and uh, stay safe out there. Just check your emails and make sure that you haven't been pawned. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to gadgets and gizmos of the week. The one gadget that is popping out all over the show, in fact, it's hard to imagine or see people wandering around, uh, walking about, driving their cars without a set of little earbuds plugged into their heads, is pretty difficult. Everybody seems to have one. They've become definitely the 
the gadget de jour of, of, of the current era, if you want to put it that way. But earbuds are critical to most people's use of their mobile phone, listening of music, traveling around, doing whatever they do. And the range and the number of earbuds has just escalated to the point where it's very confusing to know what to buy, where to buy, and the price ranges from very low to stupidly expensive. Some of the top-end devices from the likes of Sony and um, Apple and other guys in that league are between five and 6,000 rand. So they're not an inexpensive investment. Now, I've been playing for the last couple of weeks with a, a set of earbuds from LG, the LG Tone FN7s. Previous, prior to that, I was using the FN6s. And amongst all the earbuds that I've got, I've got from Apple, I've got a whole host of others that I've been playing with and listening to because they're relevant and people have been sending them and I've been playing. And I use them for gym, I use them for running, I use them for cycling, I use them for just day-to-day work. A lot of people use them just to make phone calls because whatever the reasons being, they find it convenient. So on that note... It just felt right to try to give a little bit of an overview of the market and where we're going. Full wireless Bluetooth earbuds are an absolute win. However, there are a couple of sort of things that we have to look at right up front to make sure that we buy the right ones. First of all, it needs Bluetooth 5 for best connectivity. I've had a number of inexpensive earbuds that as soon as you move the phone and put it in your bag or leave it on your desk, you step away, they break up, they stop communicating between the two of them, and they tend to be really flaky. Even though they, they cheap, sound really decent when they're using, when you use them, they don't update very often. So I would say for the most part, especially if you you can afford a slightly more expensive earbud, anything less than a thousand rand today is probably got compromises that you are not particularly keen to live with long term uh, with an earbud. One, they're not waterproof. Two, they have flaky connectivity. Three, the sound is not great or the longevity of them are not great. I've had a couple of cheapies just die on me for no particular reason. My my favorites for the moment right now, the ones that I use the most, are obviously the Apple um, the Apple earbuds, which are great quality. They don't fit everybody. They're seamless with Apple devices. They are a bit of a pain on Android devices, and very rare that I see people with an Android device using an Apple earbud, but it's possible. The other ones that I've been using that really work extremely well are the Samsung earbuds. They're not generally available. They're also quite expensive in some cases. They work extremely well with all phones that I've tried them with. But I must say that over the last little while, I've been super impressed with the LG FN7 earbuds. And here's the win. If um, I will, uh, We have a set to give away uh, on, on FireFM. I'm going to get the SMS line that you can send an SMS to, and I'm going to some lucky listener is going to get a pair of earbuds over the next couple of weeks. So listen in to my review and maybe you'll be even more excited. The FN7 is one of the newer earbuds from from LG. They sell for around about 3.2. I've seen them as low as 2.9 on the web. So check them out, look around to get the pricing. And they definitely compete with earbuds up in the four to 5,000 Rand range. Of late, I know a lot of companies have been uh, discounting the earbuds, but there are a couple of very interesting things around the LG earbuds. One, they're extremely well made. From the minute you open the box, the little round pebble-like device, you can see these are extremely well made earbuds. They look a lot like 
the Apple earbuds. They've got the, the pods. They've got the little sticks that stick out of your ears. They come in black and white, so you can be a bit more discreet than having a white thing hanging out of your ears. But I found them extremely well-built, easy. They come with silicon tips, very nice to plug in. And the case has one very interesting little feature. It has a UV nanobacteria filter or, or light. It's got a, a UV light that when you pop the earbuds in and close the case, a little blue light comes on and it uh, disinfects your, your earbuds. In this current day and age, not a terrible thing at all. Also, they've been tuned, tuned by the British company Meridian, Meridian Technology, um, and the sound is really good. I don't think they're the most exciting earbuds I've used, but they're extremely good. They have nice bass, good, solid, clean mid-range, and very clean, easy to listen to, to, to high-end, which is really nice. It's got triple microphones in each earbud, so the voice quality is excellent. It's got IPX4 water resistance, which gives – I wouldn't immerse them in water, but going for the odd run, and I've run with them. I've gymmed with them. They don't pop out. They're really comfortable. The only thing that I've found is the battery life, they say around about seven hours. I get about five. The case gives you another two charges. But generally for long time, long use, you'll find that five hours, depending on your volume, is probably the most, um, the most you'll get. So very good quality. They certainly do um, compare to the more expensive devices out there. Often people say less is not always more. But these are really good. If you do not, oh, and they've also got active noise cancelling, which is good. It's not the best on the planet. The Sonys um, are a little bit better, and the others that, and definitely the um, Apple are a little bit better at, at removing extraneous noise. These are good. It does cut the battery life as well. But if you're not interested in noise cancelling, the, the tone-free FN6 has pretty much the same sound without noise cancelling at about noise cancelling at about a thousand rand less. So check them out. Really good quality. Send me an SMS. I'll get you the number in a few secs. And, and um, you could possibly win a set here, right here on FM. And we'll be back straight after this with our uh, after our sponsors. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And um, int- another little app just to wrap up the show. Obviously, I'm just waiting for the uh, SMS line number so that you can all try to get uh, a pair of tone earbuds from LG. But a very, very useful app that I've come across, which I've been using not for myself, but for a couple of people that I know, um, is called Roger Voice. Now, what Roger Voice does is available on iOS and Android. It transcribes, (laughs) excuse me, transcribes in real time any voice call that you get, be it WhatsApp, be it a phone call, whatever. But you download Roger Voice, it's exactly as I said, R-O-G-E-R-V-O-I-C-E from the Play Store or the Apple App Store and set it up. And what it does, while if you are um, hard of hearing or you have problems with the connectivity where you are and you can't hear people really well, although I've found that if the, the line quality is too terrible, it doesn't work as well. There's only one downside to this. It does transcribe brilliantly everything that is said. So if you have any hard of hearing problems or any problems with with understanding what's what's being said, I found it really good with lots of languages and it works flawlessly. The only hassle is you've got 30 minutes of call time to transcribe with. 
after that, you've got to pay $5.99 a month or an unlimited $5.99 a month or an unlimited package for $30, which gives you the ability to to transcribe. So check it out. It's really very, very useful. I've given it to one or two people I know who wear hearing aids, and it's been an absolute lifesaver. As you speak, especially if you've got earbuds in your ears or you, you're putting it on voice, you can sit and watch the conversation in real time, transcribe on your screen and you don't miss a trick especially for doctor's appointments or whatever so now before we wrap up let me give you um, our sms line if you sms the lg tone free seven to three four five one nine that's sms lg tone t-o-n-e seven to three four five one nine or to telegram o six one Eight nine five one zero one nine. I'll repeat that. Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. We will pick a winner and inform you um, directly via SMS that you've won a set of LG Tone Free Seven headphones, courtesy of LG, as soon as we possibly can. And on that note, I'm afraid we have to wrap it up this week. We've pretty much run out of time, and uh, we'll be back same place, same time with lots of tech news, lots of information, lots of useful hints and tips, and obviously gadget reviews. Same place, High FM, 11 to 12, every Thursday. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk, right here on High FM.